Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the guys behind the Guitar Show UK. As per normal, my co-host, Jace Hunt, is on screen in front of me. How are you, Jace? I'm all right, Ant. How are you? I'm all right, mate. We were just saying it's been a while since we did one of these because we ended up doing a double whammy interview with with Chris of Rift and consequently it's been three weeks, I think, since we... Yeah, three or four weeks since we've actually uh, done this. Yeah, I've been missing it, mate. Oh, I've been missing you too. Oh, bless you, bless you. <laughs> and uh, we're also sat with tonight's guest, um, which is, for me, is a great blast from the past because this is uh, this is a fella that I used to work with in a music store in Leeds about 20 years ago, I'm reckoning. So, um, welcome, Mark Abrams. How are you, Mark? Hey, very good, thanks. Nice to be with you. Oh, yeah, it's lovely to, lovely nice to, to have see you. you here. Yeah, nice it's to see nice you as well. See you. It's nice to see anyone at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, that's actually fair. That's actually fair. Now, this isn't just a um, this isn't just a, a bit of us just reminiscing. Though there will be a bit of that as well. But um, Mark has had a varied career, uh, and and currently you're playing guitar um, in Wishbone Ash, aren't you? I am Wishbone Ash, um, which. It's weird, bearing in mind we used to just stand behind a counter in a music store in Leeds, not knowing where the future was going to take either of us, I guess. Well, it's very true. It's it's also weird for me because I grew up with Wishbone Ash. Wishbone Ash was the reason I learnt to play guitar in the first place, which led me to work in the music stores and then eventually joined the band, which is the, the weirdest thing, really, but mm. the most amazing thing, too. It's oh, my God, you're like the Yorkshire it. version of Ripper Owens, aren't you? <laughs> Did you see that the Who? guy that referring to, he joined Judas what? Priest he was in a right, Ju- okay. Judas Priest tribute act and then ended up as the lead singer of Judas Priest when Rob Helford left right cool yeah I, I guess so so if we get if we take you all the way back then uh, I mean you just said then you grew up listening to Wishbone Ash but that wasn't the only influence was it I mean I seem to recall you were a big Knopfler fan as well my two bands were Dire Straits and Wishbone Ash from being eight, nine years old, mm. even before I picked a guitar up, you know. Mm. And um, I used to, well, I still do, but I used to sit and totally watch, like Mark Knopfler, you, you watch his hands and like, he's not moving them, but he's got all these notes coming out and it still fascinates me now, you know. Nobody I, can make a guitar sound like that. I poured over that alchemy video. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally. I mean, it's embarrassing as a, as a child in his teens that the only video I think I got so it, it, it didn't work anymore with the pause button was a Martin Offler video. Right. That's um, so wrong as I know, a teenage boy. I, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. That how, how did he make a guitar sound like that with what seemed like so little movement of his hands? Effortless, man. Effortless. Um, and, and bizarre that... I mean, that's a band that theoretically shouldn't have existed because the point of music they came through, you know, everything, everything's punk and what have you. And you've got I guess it was all along. punk, yeah, yeah. And then you get this guy with the... Uh, looks a little bit different. He's got the gritted guitar sound, the very clean guitar sound, actually, mm. the first album especially. And, uh, yeah, just a unique guy, I guess. That's where, why he got where he got, you know, with the excellent songs. Mm. So how did you get... How did that 
end up being part of your world? Because somebody must have introduced you to that. I mean, and you, you know, we were talking about this before. You were born in 1978, so their first album comes out. You're three. 78, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, so who who introduces you to that? So I was fascinated by guitar well before I even got a guitar when I was seven or eight years old. And my dad always used to say to me, if you can play like this guy, Mark Knopfler, or the other one was Wishbone Ash. Hmm. So I was absolutely fascinated with, until I was probably 13, they were the only guitarists that existed, you know. And um, I remember my dad taking me to see Dire Straits when I was 11 on the uh, on every street tour. I had to have a red strat, of course. Uh, eventually, that is. I never, I, you know, it took me a while to get the strat. but And uh, yeah, it was just not so much, I didn't really want to, play anything exactly like he did. I was more interested in getting the guitar to sound like he did. That was the thing. That was the big thing for me. And I'd spend hours trying to learn the little licks in Sultan's the Swing and then trying to make the, the riff to Money for Nothing sound like it did on Brothers in Arms, which is probably impossible, you know. <laughs> but spent many hours. Well, it's funny because I remember you... Um, I mean, one of the things about working in a music store is that there are plenty of there are plenty of Tuesdays at four o'clock where nothing's going on. Uh, and you end up, you know, pulling a few guitars off the wall and what have you. And I always remember listening to you playing Knopfler thinking, I, I, you know, that's that's as close as I've heard anybody wow. sound uh, like, like Knopfler. But, I mean, at that point in time, you're like, you know, what? 17, 18, whatever. When, what, what age were you when you started at Academy? I was trying to remember that earlier. I can't think. It must have been... I guess I was probably 18, 19, something like yeah. that. Because you must have been in your early 20s. I think I joined Academy in 2000. So you right, must have okay. been... Yeah, you, so you're, you're 22 that at that right. point. That sounds right. Yeah, probably right, yeah. Um, and and I, don't, I don't remember, you know... I mean, that's the point, because you've got long hair... Um, <laughs> And and then you picked a strat up and you just sounded like nothing. It was like somehow it all didn't seem to make a lot of sense. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah. so that that explains the nothing thing. But then the wishbone ash is even weirder because that's I mean I mean that's an even well wishbone ash have been going for fifty years. Yeah, we, we should be on the fiftieth anniversary tour right now actually. Um, but yeah, again, just like nothing and dire straits, you know, it was a sound that was so different to me because. I didn't understand why at the time, but it's the it's the two lead guitars playing together in harmony. I didn't understand that when I was nine years old, but I just knew it sounded cool, sounded yeah. different, and I liked it, you know. Yeah. And that stuck with me all this all this time, and it's probably the, the thing that fascinates me most about electric guitar still. Yeah. So you uh, you know around that time you know and certainly the time that. I was working with you at uh, uh, at Academy of Sound. Um, you were you were playing in a covers band, weren't you? Um, you were playing in a band. Was it Scooby? Scooby. I played with Scooby. That was a a band that we started at school. Right. When we were, I must have been thirteen when we started Scooby, and they only just finished actually recently with really? none of the original members. Yeah, it were like different guys. Scooby, <laughs> great. And uh, yeah, we used to. We were really busy as a, as a young covers band you know we'd play three times a week covering nothing by Dire Straits or Wishbone Ash mainly more popular rock yeah. bands that I would never really into to be honest but it, it was cool we did it you know we played things like uh, Ugly Kid Joe 
Yeah, uh, Stiltskin. Do you remember the st- Stiltskin song? Yeah, Inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was all things like... We did some more classic... We did, like, David Bowie and things like that. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, kind of classic rock, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, we were, we were you know, for 15, 16-year-olds, we were out and we were doing three nights a week and we were earning money, you know. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember seeing you... I think Alison and I came to see you in York and that had been the early 2000s. I'm trying to remember what the venue was in York. Yeah, you did, actually. And uh, in... Uh, Skipton? Did you come to Skipton? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that little pub near the river? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I remember remember. that. (laughs) But I mean, you it would this the the thing that, um, and I guess it's probably, I guess it's what every cover band strives for. But you really did sound like the records you were covering. Wow. Um, You know, and and that's a big because you did Foo Fighters and all manner of things as well. I mean, you you mixed it up. It was. you know, and bits of Green Day and what have you, and it. But you, you really, as a band, really sounded like. And I think that probably, you know, I guess to me talks to how you used to. You used to nail sounds. You would nail a style and a sound so that you actually did sound like the artist. Well, I, I, I always had this thing, and still have. If I'm learning a song now, whether it's a, a Wishbone song that we're going to put in the set for a tour, or the Green Day song, or. Yeah. Sweet Child of Mine, whatever it might have been. I'd try and get the sound right. I'd try and play the song something like. Yeah. Especially the memorable parts that people need to hear. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. You, you start the solo the way they expect to hear it. You end the solo the way that people remember it. Yeah. And the bit in the middle, do whatever you like. <laughs> that's that's always been my kind of thing. And I still do that with Wishbone Ash, you know, the classic songs like The King Will Come. It had, the solo in that starts with the wah-wah. Well, it's pretty much all wah-wah, actually, but there's certain lines that you put in, the mm. bits in between. You've got, to, you've got to improvise, otherwise if you play the solo the same every night, it's going to be yeah. boring for us, then boring for the audience, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're back, you're playing in Scooby, um, you're at Academy Sound, and I kind of move on and my career takes me somewhere else. And then you you sort of move on as well, but you end up with a guitar shop, I did. of your own. I did, and uh, it was really cool. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd worked in guitar stores then for other people, maybe fifteen, sixteen years, mm. and I just felt like if I didn't have a go at doing it for myself, then I probably never would. You know, mm. and it was good. I had some really good years there. I really enjoyed it. I was probably the worst boss I ever had (laughs) 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 you know (laughs) Um, but it was fun I loved it I loved the you know learning the business side of it rather than just selling to people which I I I love that as well but um, no it was probably one of the most interesting times you know I was when it all finished for me I mean I was in Wishbone by the time I closed the store but the industry was showing signs of it was it was getting harder and harder, basically for smaller independent stores. Mm. And I think I closed at the right time for me. Mm. Anyway, but I, I, yeah, I I enjoyed it. No regrets about doing it for myself at all. Uh, for I think nine years I did. Mm. So yeah, which is quite well, a stint. Sorry, Jason. I was going to say what 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 products did you sell? Which uh, brands? It was it was a guitar store. Really, but I had some good brands, you know. I had, I had 
electric wise, I was doing PRS, uh, the SE, yeah, uh, PRS, the Korean. I was doing a lot of court guitars, uh, Takamine, Yamaha, Schecter, uh, ESP. Um, I was doing Blackstar amps, which was a great line, uh, great products, great amps, and um, they were the the kind of the big ones. I was doing a lot of used equipment. That's where yeah. I, that's what I really wanted to do more than anything. You know, mm. I always felt you walk into a, like one of the chain stores, you, you see all the same things on the wall. You walk past, you see the same strap, you see the same Schecter, same Ibanez, whatever, which are all great. But I want to see really tasty, nice used guitars when I go in. Maybe some old guitars, you know. Yeah. So that's what interested me more than having a wall full of shiny new Schecters. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because you said Schecter and you said ESP and you said, you know, so you said Blackstar and was the quite, because uh, um, the, the store was a, a Castleford, wasn't it? So yes. um, um, it was, is the quite a rock stroke metal scene, you know, because I know, I know Braff has got a very strong rock and metal scene. Is it, was it similar for you or did, it, was it a mix? It's a very similar area, I'd say actually. Yeah. Uh, a couple of really good rock pubs in Castleford that have bands on three, four nights a week. And I knew from going from playing those with Scooby, actually, for, for years and years, and turning up there on open mic nights, I knew a lot of the, the you know, the, the kids that were going in. I knew the kind of music that were playing. So that basically helped me choose the brands that had stock in, in that area because I, I, I kind of saw what, the kids wanted really I mm. suppose there's the other guitar store in Castleford where I, I worked for I don't know, seven years they were more an old school type store so they had some fenders mm. and then bits of more more old school kind of yeah for, for the for the older guys I'd say mm. maybe some the old Ibanez but I think Schecter and ESP especially were really happening guitars at the time and and same with Blackstar amps they were massive you know yeah Great a few years mind. ago, um, I think it was the Guardian. The, um, the uh, might be in the Observer. The Sunday Guardian um, did a breakdown of the UK by genre of music. And um, given that I'm from Birmingham, I was hugely disappointed to find out that Birmingham is no longer the uh, home of heavy metal. Um, South Yorkshire is the mm. home of heavy metal. It was really? the most popular music in that area. Well, there's so many bands in South Yorkshire, so many venues. You know, there's the the workingman club scene, especially in South Yorkshire, is huge. Bands will every weekend usually be down from the northeast playing around uh, South Yorkshire, Rotherham, Sheffield, Barnsley. It's it's a real good rock band scene actually. Mm. It's probably it? the last place in the country that really has got a vibrant uh, workingman's club scene actually. Uh, mm. You know, because I mean, I did a stint of, of playing around there, and and you know, we were able to play two or three times a week, and it was pretty much all South Yorkshire. Yeah, and there's still some really big venues as well that still, like you say, will still take a five and a six piece band and still pay, you know, fifteen hundred quid or what have you for a Saturday oh, yeah. night. Yeah, um, which makes it worthwhile. Um, and it seems strange coming down from the northeast because in reality, you would think the northeast would have a the most vibrant scene and actually it, it died off quite a lot um, it did but it, it, they still have a good scene up there the clubs are uh, much bigger up there actually hmm. and they still get packed out if there's a good rock band on um, 
but yeah, South Yorkshire, there's there's clubs everywhere, you know. They, they are slowly closing, unfortunately. But the uh, the good ones and the big ones, they're still they're still there doing it, you know. So you moved on from Scooby, so and I'm assuming this is while the guitar while you'd got uh, the guitar shop, um, and played in a band called Coyote. Coyote, yeah, that was yeah. a band that played the cl- the club circuit uh, around South Yorkshire mainly. We we went we did the northeast. We'd go south as well. We went down to uh, Leicester occasionally, even, mm. um, and then that's when we. Um, Quite fortunately, actually, we we well Stuart the singer, whilst away in uh, on holiday in Corfu, randomly met Ron Tal, Bumblefoot. Yes, yeah, we've yeah. had Ron on the podcast. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and uh, he ended up singing with Ron, and he still does. Uh, occasionally, they go to Thailand every year. They do bits around Greece, and we ended up doing a little tour, uh, just a few UK dates with Ron and his and his band. And uh, and also Saxon, so the Coyote, my band went on first, then uh, Oliver Dawson Saxon, and then Ron Tal finished the night with playing his widdly widdly awesome what, it, it, monster players. <laughs> yeah, he came in. I teach, um, and you went to Leeds um, College, didn't you, to do I did, music? T- yeah. Well, I, yeah. I I teach for um, BIM in Birmingham, so right. sort of like a you know equivalent sort of thing. And um, Ron came, well, he came and did the guitar show for me. And then he, he came into BIM and played with the students, which was amazing. Um, but I was there while we were sound checking and I was just shouting songs out at him while he was sound checking. He can play literally anything. It's just anything. a walking jukebox. <laughs> yeah, it's just insane. Yeah. Well, I know that. I know that because he obviously knows plenty of Rocky Horror. So that's well, all yes. I was. Yes, that was that was that was all I was bothered about. But, right. Uh, um, uh, which just do you know what? I just oh, middle age. I just thought of a question to ask it, and I've just compl- I know what it was going to be. It wasn't a question. It was going to be a comment. I was going to ask Mark what is in that tumbler that he keeps taking a swig out of because you might be the most rock and roll guest we've had so far. Well, it's a very very nice um, single malt scotch. See, that is the most rock and roll we've had so far. Would you believe Wait, we're doing it's we're doing 6.30, right? Yeah, 6.30, what, what do you expect? <laughs> we're, doing a, we're doing a guitar podcast. I'm on tea, and I don't think we've had any of our guests drinking so far, have we? No. Did we have a beer one night? Did you mean you have a beer one night? We did have a beer one night. I think well, it was about at the, the height of got. summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had the most we've got. A single so beer most, each. Well, <laughs> you're, the, you're the most rock and roll guest so far. That's great. Uh, well, particularly in that shirt... Good to know. Thank you. This is uh, just normal, normal um, Tuesday night attire on a is Thursday. That is, <laughs> is, that, is that your Thursday night attire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got a certain whiff of the curtain about it. It's um, certainly got a whiff. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing the, the coyote thing. Was that covers or was that uh, original stuff? That was all covers. That was all covers. Yeah. All covers. Classic so, rock, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um... So I'm, I'm kind of merging topics as I go along a bit here because the other thing that had, had, had hit your life at that point, because I know because I went a couple of times with you, was you started working with a guitar builder in Leeds, didn't you? Uh, I in did. Dennis. Dennis Elvidge, yeah. Yeah, he um, he built me a couple of guitars early, maybe 2002, and then again in 2004, 2005. And uh, they were based, actually based on... Um, 
the guitar that Mark Knopfler played with Dire Straits. Um, so a kind of Penzer, Sir lookalike mm. guitar, but with my own kind of appointments, I guess. And uh, yeah, he's still a great friend. I've got five of his guitars now, <laughs> and um, I actually use use them a lot uh, live on stage with Wishbone quite a lot. And um, yeah, a, a great friend and a very actually very talented luthier. Yeah, uh, he's retired now, unfortunately, so he, he won't to look at my guitars anymore. He won't, he's not <laughs> interested in setting them up anymore. But yeah, <laughs> absolute legend. Because I can remember we were in an academy and, and people would come in and you you do setups on guitars, but you took your guitar somewhere to else. To Dennis Elvidge, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so there's, there's kind of a natural hierarchy in it. And I remember I remember going and taking a couple of things to Dennis over the years and dropping in. And he was just, does he still smoke a pipe? He, no, he stopped smoking the he pipe. Stopped, yeah. I used to love it when he did that. The smell, yeah. In fact, when, I, when he built the, the first two custom guitars for me, the smell of the pipe was on the guitars for yeah. maybe a year afterwards, you know, after after picking them up, and I loved that, you know, I, I'll never forget the smell. It was I loved the smell, and it, I used to love it going around there. Yeah. Honestly, he was a real gentle man, wasn't he? he was a yeah, real yeah, but a character soul. too. Oh yeah, real, it, yeah, absolute character. Yeah, I hope he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to make sure we let him know. But yeah. no, I mean, um, but no, yeah, because the, you that's that you know the guitar that is. With the kind of the the really um, beautiful top, was very similar to the Pentashir that Knopfler played in the Nelson Mandela concert, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, that's the the first guitar that Dennis built for me. Yeah, a very similar color, very similar guitar, really. Yeah, um, and then I, I ended up having two of those, um, and then I started building uh, using the more recently the the chambered sculptured guitars mm. that he made. I don't know if you ever saw those with the the silly. I have one here. With the uh, with the holes, yeah, Check yeah, that out. that's fantastic. They're amazing guitars. I have I have two of these as well. And um, with uh, with Wishbone Ash, we there's a song called Phoenix, which is I don't fit well. It's a fifty year old song from the first album, and it's mainly guitar. It's mainly instrumental guitar, like kind of mad psychedelic whatever. So the mm. the main thing I would play that guitar on with Wishbone would be Phoenix you know I have a green one and that's the one I've used live most and the fans actually nicknamed it the mean green Phoenix machine (laughs) when I first used it in uh, 2017 so 2018 I actually um, commissioned some miniature models of of that guitar and we were selling them on merchandise really popular all the the fans (laughs) love to have them which is great (laughs) So, I presented one to Dennis. Actually, he's got it on his wall with the with the oh, real ones. <laughs> oh, I, I, he was he was a lovely, lovely, lovely bloke. Um, so we, we're going to have to delve into the wishbone thing then. In in terms of you know you're a fan of the band, great. Um, and you know you've obviously you, you've obviously played the material, but at some point you have to have an interaction with the band. At what point did they first know that you existed? Well, I. F- first met them in probably 95 96 wow um yeah yeah that's that's yeah 95 96 they probably first knew about me playing guitar because i was in a wishbone ash tribute band and we played one of the annual wishbone ash fan conventions we we did a, a short set there in the afternoon playing wishbone ash songs that was 2002 
Mm. And that's when I suppose I started my friendship with Andy Powell, the original um, member, the other other guitar player and uh, singer. So probably from then onwards, I would say uh, we, we we stayed friends. We always stayed in touch, and if they were playing in town, Andy would call me up and say, "Can you bring these strings? Can you can you help us out with an amp? Can you do this? Can you can you solder a new switch in my guitar?" So that's that's kind of went on for years, and if and then you know we we kind of the friendship kind of grew, I suppose, and. Early 2017, Wishbone were playing some shows in the UK and I went along to a show in Sheffield and we just had a really good, how can I say it, drink after the show. (laughs) 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 One thing led to another, I suppose, from that night and, you know, a few months later I did my first show with them. So that was in Sweden at the festival? The Sweden Rock Fest, what a first show, you know, it's the, the biggest rock festival in, in Europe, I believe. Um, Aerosmith were headlining. <laughs> I only got together with the guys. In fact, they'd never actually heard me play, apart from videos on YouTube or whatever. We'd never played together, they'd never heard me. We got together two days before in London, Christ. just for a, we, we had a short rehearsal, a, a, a place down there. We had a couple of afternoons, and then the following day we flew to Sweden and did the gig at Sweden Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. And um, then we had a few, we did a few more festivals that summer. And then the final festival that year was in Switzerland, and we flew straight from Switzerland to the US to, to start a month long tour, which was uh, just awesome. You know, first time I'd been to America there playing to American Wishbone Ash fans, playing my favourite music, you know, it's, mm. what better? <laughs> and did you, where, how did the opportunity come about in terms of, had there been a guitarist there that had left? Had they been, how, how had they been operating prior to you joining? Well, the, the guitar player that was in the band, uh, a friend of mine as well, actually, um, I mean, I'd, I don't quite know the, what what was going on yeah. there. I, I think there was a sense of uh, in possibly not being as happy as he was there yeah. maybe looking to do something else I don't know so it, the, the evening in Sheffield was probably just really good timing for me you know yeah. right place right time I think cool and you've you know you you've kind of cemented a place very quickly haven't you in terms of looking at the imagery looking at the way the the, the Wishbone Ash website I mean am I right in saying you wrote you know you've co-wrote some of the material on the new album uh, yeah Definitely, yeah. We, uh, myself and Andy and uh, his son, actually, we uh, we got together in France. We spent two or three weeks there. Between us, we wrote most of the album there. Uh, mm-hmm. I took with me maybe ideas, not songs, but ideas for maybe four or five at least songs mm-hmm. that made it onto the new album, Coat of Arms. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of that. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, because that's fair. Not not saying it's fairly unusual, but I mean, you know, um, to to you know to join to join the band, but also then to be very much involved in the creative process is you know, um, it's it's fair. It is fairly unique. I suppose it is, but um, I mean, I guess with a new lineup, there's going to be hopefully a new album. Yeah, and I've been listening to the music for so long that I don't really need to try and play in that style it's just mm. kind of became my style 
mm. naturally, I guess. So, you know, I, I know all the old albums. I love most of it. And mm. it's quite a natural thing to play that way. So if I come up with a riff, it's usually inspired by that anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, as I say, 2017. So we're, you know, we're three years in. Does it does it feel like does it feel like longer? Does it feel like, you know, you've kind of all it's I mean, flown by. You know, it's it's gone right. really fast. I mean, this well, this lockdown seems to take longer than the three years <laughs> I've had with Wishbone. You know, um, no, it's it's gone so it's gone so quick. You know, we never really stop. That's the thing. Mm. We're, it's it's a live band, and we never stop touring. Mm. I mean, last year we played in. 18 or 19 countries hmm. we, we did a rock cruise um it was just non-stop it's almost like this year i'm being punished for last year <laughs> that's how i see it <laughs> you had far too good a time too much fun yeah yeah so what, what's your biggest territory when uh, you go out um well europe is a big one mm. uh, we do every every january starts in germany We'd, we'll do lots of shows around Germany. Then we'll head out of Germany into Switzerland. Into last last year we went into Scandinavia. We got caught in the snow there, and uh, so Europe is big. We do. Uh, we play at least one USA tour in a year. Usually, um, we'll do the uh, kind of north, the west, and then we, most recently this year we did. Actually, in February this year, we we our last tour we played, we started in in Florida, and then we ended up in Seattle. So that's quite a yeah. that's quite a jaunt. That's, that's an area, you know, yeah. yeah, all by road. Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, last year took us everywhere. We went. We did. I think we played shows in France, UK, of course. We did South Africa. We did uh, Japan, which was amazing. We've been to Canada, all within the space of twelve months. You know, mm. <laughs> no, but you can't believe it. Working men's club circuit in South Yorkshire. I know that's <laughs> why I, I can't smile enough. You know, <laughs> <laughs> cheers. <laughs> As he takes another slugger, we're we're in the wrong game here, Jack. I mean, my tea's tasting awful now. It really is. <laughs> As I watch Mark drink drink single malt scotch. So, um, he. You've kind of hit two heights, haven't you? Really, for, for for so many people listening to this, you've had your own music store, your own guitar store. Um, I mean, I guess three in terms of the fact that you've you've always played, you've always gigged, but now you've you've you know listening to where you've been going and where you've been touring, uh, and the fact that it sounds like the band aren't going to stop anytime soon. Um, you've you know you've you've kind of hit Nirvana, really. Uh, absolutely you know i'm i'm traveling i'm seeing parts of the world i would never have seen that's another side of it you know i'm i'm now a part of my favorite band which is the reason i learned to play guitar in the first place and i've got the most amazing friends there mm. and you know i love it what's not to love i'm just mm. so lucky mm. and you, you know it's it's Times like this, when you realise just how lucky you know, you you stop and you look back at what you've been doing for three years, mm. and it's that, that's when you realise how amazing it's all been, you know. Mm. So, then flipping it a little bit, um, you've also started doing some um, some remote session work. You've been offering your services up. 
That's right, yeah. I mean, I'd thought about doing that before lockdown. It's like, what, something to do while I'm home. Yeah. You know, I might, I might be home for a, a month, six weeks. It'd be nice to have something to do. I'm, I'm set up here with the um, the Kemper and the, all the software I need. Why not, you know? Mm. It, it's interesting. It's something different to do while I'm not working with Wishbone. So well, when the lockdown thing started, I thought, right, it's it's probably time to put that out there a little bit. And it's it's all right, you know. I've had I've had a few a few little jobs. I have a few things to do in uh, November, so it, it's good, you know. I, it it would never replace for me playing live. No, but it's it keeps it's interesting. That's the thing, you know. You never know what somebody's going to ask you to try and do. <laughs> and and what is your history of of that kind of work then? Because obviously, you know, playing in in the in the two in, in Scooby and Coyote, you you know, and then in the in the tribute band. That's obviously a lot of live work, but then um, you find yourself playing on the, you know, the last Wishbone Ash album. Uh, how much studio experience have you had over the years? To be perfectly honest, not not a lot really. Yeah. I mean, like all the young bands, we we went in a studio, we did demos of original songs, and that was pretty much it for years and years. Yeah. You know, it was a very much a live. A live thing with with Coyote. We went in the studio. We did uh, we did a few recorded a few covers basically as yeah. a as a thing. But and then uh, the when we did the writing sessions for um, the new Wishbone album, we did that in a kind of it was not really a studio environment. It, we sat around played live, but there was a a studio there connected yeah. to where we were. So we were recording demos while we were doing that, and then obviously we recorded the uh, the the main album in a studio in Burnley and uh, other than that home recording really Just, mm. that's it really mm. so which again is quite an amazing thing to go from a, you know fairly limited I mean I mean you know if I'm, I'm, cause I'm looking at the album cover on, uh, or the album on your back wall and and to kind yeah. of be going well that's kind of the first kind of first real project I really did was this you know and it's <laughs> like oh Fuck off, really. Just you know, <laughs> what do you can what do you can you say about that, really? I mean, you know, I've I've got loads of demo recordings. They're all still awful. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I guess I'm lucky that you know, Wishbone have they've been making albums for fifty years. Yeah. Or, uh, Andy has at least, and yeah. uh, Bob, the bass player's been on countless recordings with countless people. Yeah, and uh, so I, I, I kind of walked into a band of very seasoned studio mm. musicians so that that for me made it much easier i suppose mm. cool. and how have the wishbone how have the wishbone ash family taken to you by that i mean the fans because obviously it will have a you know it will have a hard core of fans who have followed the band for the vast majority of its time yeah yeah of course yeah well it was uh it was just amazingly perfect for me really i suppose um they seem to like me from the start, mm. and and I def- definitely love them from the start, you know. And many of them I knew actually, especially in the UK, because I've been going to the uh, the annual fan convention yeah. for the last probably ten, fifteen years. People travel there from various countries, so I've met a lot of the fans, not all of them, but you know, lots of them. And uh, I think they took to to my style of playing straight away because I've it's probably obvious that I've been listening to Wishbone Ash. For a mm. long, long time, and being a fan, you know, I want to, I want to do really do justice to the older classic songs, 
that the fans love to hear and I love to play you know yeah. I love to hear it too so you know it's 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 just the thing like we said you, you, you I'll try and play the parts that the fans want to hear yeah and hopefully keep it interesting at the same time keep it fresh keep it new but give them what they want you know that's that's how I see it so um, we'll digress just slightly um, because I know you'll have an answer to this we when we haven't done this for a little while but we went through a little phase of asking our guests what their favourite carry on film was oh you know and I knowing you as I do I'm sure you'll have an answer to that question of course what's uh, yours uh, did we did, did we actually pick one or did we end up with five? Well, no, we both went with screaming, mine. didn't we? We both went screaming. screaming. No, you didn't yeah. go with screaming. You kind of umdenard around cowboy and oh, ca- I did umdenard ca- about cowboy as well. I quite like cowboy. Well, I'm with you on cowboy, but screaming, no Sid James, so I can't. I know. I mean, that is the sad part about that film, but it is actually. I think I believe they got Harry H. Corbett. Yeah. To play the to, the Sid James role. The Sid James role, yeah. Yeah. Um for me I would say convenience. Oh. First time we've had that. The old toilet factory, the old Mr. Toilet. Boggs. Mr. Boggs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is unusual. Really? Yeah, nobody's had that so far. I'd I'd say convenience or maybe abroad. Carry on abroad is a, a classic. But um That's yeah, a later I, one, isn't it? Very late, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's maybe the last one. Well, it was certainly the last one with Charles Hawtrey. Right. Um, and I think possibly possibly the last one with Sid. I'm not sure. Right. I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the later ones. I knew you'd have an answer. I didn't think you'd, you'd give us convenience and abroad. Um, yeah. if I, 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 only a few days ago I had a conversation saying if I had to go and mastermind... Carry on films would definitely be my chosen specialised subject. Well, in which case we're going to have to end. We're going to have to end the carry on question with this episode then, because if we've had the bona fide <laughs> carry on master, <laughs> then there's no point going. There's no point going any further, is there really? Uh, but no, I, listen, you've not disappointed. Carry on abroad and carry on convenience are two very. That's almost a purist, son. Yeah, Cowboy's up there, and uh, I believe Cowboy was actually Sid James's favourite carry-on film. Right. And he, he, you know, he took a lot of pleasure in learning the uh, how to handle the gun properly and spinning the the pistols and things, and he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. Re- Have you seen any of the the the, the kind of documentaries and things there? Because there was a very good documentary made about Hattie Jakes, wasn't there? Yes. Uh, which is very good, and, and there are a couple of very good films about Kenneth Williams. Yes, which excellent actually. Yeah. Um, quite dark actually as well. Um, but but then he had a very a, a, a very troubled existence, didn't he? He did. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but uh, all right, so we can add that. We can chalk that up, Jace, then <laughs> on our Top Gear type, you know, list. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> um, and then the other question that we asked a few times that we ought to resurrect because I quite liked. Mm-hmm. Um, Dinner guests, pick. You can have dinner with whether you're three people or four, three, three, three guests for dinner, any okay. anywhere through history, right? So alive okay. or dead? Okay. Who well, I would with? With, without a doubt, Sid James would be at my table, right? Just for the laugh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I think I would have loved to 
meet and have a drink with Steve Ray Vaughan. So I have a guitar as a guitar player, Steve Ray Vaughan. Yep. And uh, wow, who else? I should probably choose a woman, right, to, to mix it up a bit. But tie up to you. You don't. You don't have to. I mean, Marilyn I mean, Monroe's been mentioned a few times. Yes, Marilyn. No, no, I, don't, I don't think so. No. Um, maybe if it was all guys, Sid James would behave worse. So I think. <laughs> Be a hell of a night, though, wouldn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. A good drinker. Who's a good drinker? Oh, I don't know. Oliver Peter Reed. Sellers. Oliver Reed. <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. George Best. <laughs> George Best. Why not? George, George, George Best yeah. was a fairly George good drinker. Best. Yeah, what instrument did he play? I don't think it really uh, mattered, did it? Miss no. World. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, George Best, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll go George Best. So George, so George Best, Sid James, Sid Stevie James, Ray and Vaughan. Steve Ray Vaughan. That's a right. Okay, that's a night, isn't it? That's a, a night not to forget, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's a bender, isn't it? It's not really a dinner. It's just a bender. I mean, nobody's eating, are they? Plenty of pipe smoking from Sid. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Oh, just imagine that cackle in the background. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, what are what are plans then? What are uh, I mean, assuming that we can break out, what is it? Is it does the touring get switched back on pre- pretty much as soon as you know, as soon as you can? Well, that's the as far as I know, that's that's the plan. You know, we trying to keep everything as as was, I guess, until until we have to. I, I heard recently the. I think the uh, January tour is most likely going to be off at the moment. Mm. After that, I don't know. You know, we we we're supposed to have a, a tour booked in February in the US. Whether that happens or not at the moment, I don't know. We are have... still they're still doing gigs in the US, aren't they? Because I keep seeing the odd one pop up on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if they're doing them socially distanced or the certain states are allowing them. But right, yeah. I mean, whether there's enough of those to make a tour you know we, yeah. we generally go there for a month and that it has to work as a as an entirety i guess to make the thing viable that's that's the problem as well as travel of course you know we've got to get there well yeah two of us have got to get there two of them two of the band live in america anyway so mm. and what about because so, i was going to say parts of parts of europe are, are, are gigging aren't they um we had Ainsley Lister on fairly recently, and he was going right. to Germany, wasn't? Did we find out how Ainsley got on? Actually, he no, but I've, I follow him on um, I don't know one of the social media channels. Can't remember which one. Uh, and there were pictures of him um, playing on stage and stuff. So they, it definitely happened, or some of them definitely right, right. happened. Right. I guess I guess it's for us, especially all we all live in totally separate areas. Yeah. So to get together alone is is a big thing. But then there's a thing where. I suppose if the venues are running at a third capacity, is it is it a viable thing? I don't know. I'd like to think it was, and I'd like to be out there doing it as soon as, but who knows, you know. Mm. As soon as we can, we will, that's all I can mm. say. Yeah, so the, so, uh, because it sounds like it's very organised and, and, you know, the infrastructure is there that you can probably turn it back on fairly quickly at the point when it's safe to do so. I would expect so, yeah. I mean, I know, I know that tours are booked, tours have been planned... Uh, for the future, you know, it's it's whether it's down to whether we can at the moment. Who can answer that? You know, we, I can't answer that. And did you complete touring for the album? Because uh, the album was last year, wasn't it? 
No, we released the album this year. Oh, right, okay. We, um, we wrote the album last year. Right. And recorded it. And the album was released in February this year. We were actually So, on so you, would, you would have been touring the album then? We so would I have guess been touring the com- album. Yeah, you've not completed touring the album. We would have been... We would have been on the fiftieth anniversary tour now, play, na, right now, yeah, and, and playing songs from the, from a new album, you know. Yeah, we did the uh, the single or the the kind of if you can call it single, the lead track from the album. We stand as one. We we did get to play live on the last UK tour this time last year, and we played it this year in in Germany and Europe and then in America. But so far, that's the only track we've we've managed to play live. Right. Unfortunately, wow. yeah, you don't even think about that, do you? You don't think about because you know that thing of of getting to play fifty, sixty percent of a new album on the road um, is a because often on you know for a lot of bands they'll go and they'll play maybe six, seven tracks off a new album, and that might be the only time that three or four of those tracks ever get played. Possibly, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean. Uh, I don't know if I see us playing six, or, you know, seven songs from a new yeah. album because the fans are pretty diehard, you know. And I mean, it, it would be nice. I think I think maybe we'd do a couple of tracks from the new album. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to play anywhere at the moment. It'd be nice to play anywhere, play anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and have you, and has the band done any kind of virtual stuff? Have they done any kind of uh, you know these kind of link calls or what have you, where you've tried to? We haven't as yet. No, well, I we mean, can't I've, have done. It's your first Zoom call, isn't it? You said it's tonight, my first. This is your my first, first first ever Zoom I, call, so you can't have done anything. Whether it would work with us playing tra- two guitars trying to play together, I, I, yeah, I, I expect there's some kind of latency issue with that. There is, yeah, yeah. You can only so, do it as a recording, I think. You can only then, do it as a kind yeah. of with a sync, and then actually somebody mixes it back. Right, yeah. I think to try and do it where two or three of us play together would be a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Particularly, like I say, particularly with what you do. Yeah, it's very much a twin lead sound. You know? Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping you manage to get out as soon as you, you you possibly can. I mean, obviously, we're all hoping that we can get out and see some music as soon as we possibly can. So we're all positive, course, you know. We're all we're all staying. We're all positive. <laughs> oh, it'll happen. We're just, we're just hanging in there, you know. It'll it'll happen. And of course, you'll end up down the road from me, won't you? You'll end up playing the. Uh, Picture drone. Home Firth, Home Firth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Yeah. So which, is a, which, which is a great venue. It Fans. is. We always sell that one out, actually. It's, yeah. it's, we always look forward to, the, to uh, playing Home Firth. It's a great gig. Yeah. In fact, a... I just someone just sent me some live recordings from, from last year when we played there. And it sounds sounds really great, actually. Oh, it's a it's a proper little old fashioned sweatbox of a venue. It really is. It's well, it's uh, a cinema, is it? Is it not? Yeah, a yeah. I mean, originally, yeah. I don't know the last time. I think they can still. I don't know if they still can show films there for no other reason than it's the ball acre putting the chairs back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I I saw of all people, you'd appreciate this. I did an evening. I went to see an evening with Barry Norman there. Really? Wow. Where, where he showed clips of his favourite movies. Awesome, uh, and that was a real kind of intimate little thing. But the venue's changed a little more since then. It's become quite a fairly not seedy rock, you know. But it's but it's definitely a a, a great little rock venue. There's no. It's a great no, venue. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Perfect size, you know. Um, it's a, it's a little bit rock city esque actually. It's kind of made for it as well. It's it's yeah. got the sloped floor still from the cinema, yeah. and wherever you stand, you can see, and the sound's always good. I, yeah, I, I've seen bands there. So many times, it's a, it's a great venue. 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of the rock bands play there. I mean, Magn- it's on Magnums. They they come round about once every. Well, it seems like once every three weeks. Right. Uh, <laughs> that the, the, they're there. Even um, Robert Cray played there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's pulled in some. It's one of I think as well. It's one of the venues on the circuit that's fairly. It makes sense to play financially as well. I think it's a relatively good setup financially. So I think that I don't. I think you you know, but it's a, a venue bands can make money out when they play as well. I expect so. I expect so. You know, which is always which is always. Helpful. It's always busy. It sells out. You know, it's surprise. It's in the middle of nowhere, and people mm. just seem to like traveling there to see a band. It's just it just well, works. You know? Well, the thing about Home Firth is, particularly if you're coming on stage at nine, it's a nice place to go and grab a bite to eat. It's easy to. There's plenty of parking. It's easy to park. Plenty of great places to eat, um, and it's not anywhere you're going to get any kind of trouble. So if you know, yeah. and there's places you can go for a drink afterwards as well. So it's a. It's just a good. For kind of you know us middle-aged people, it's quite. Uh, it, <laughs> you, 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 you think you're still a bit rock and roll. You're not at all, um, but it, but it feels a little bit like it. At the point of somebody saying, "Oh, tell you what, why don't you go into you know, go and watch a gig in Central Manchester?" It's like, "Oh no, I really can't be asked." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really it's can't not, be asked. It's so not that. It's so not that at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, where you don't know if you're going to get stabbed or well, I suppose in Manchester, <laughs> moment, don't know whether you're going to get COVID, but um, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well done, well done on alienating the people in Manchester. That Do we have any listeners from Manchester? No. Oh, I forgot to mention to you. You know, we mentioned that there was um, five or six listeners in Canada. Yeah. Uh, the other week, I got a message on um, Facebook that said I'm one of the listeners in Canada. Oh. Oh. Is that it? I'm just one of the listeners in Canada. He was out for a walk listening to it. He's actually British. He moved to Canada twelve years ago. Um, right. So, um, hello. Hello. To, did you get a name? Oh, on, yeah, it's on my phone somewhere. Oh, you're not very good at this, are you? I, honestly, I've been so rushed off my feet today. You're supposed was, to give uh, me a shout out and everything. Uh, and what's their favourite carry on film? That's right. Yes, exactly. That's, <laughs> it, that's, it, that's it. In fact, you know what? If you're listening to this, as we've now had the king, the king, the king of carry on on. Can we have uh, anybody who's listening? Let's have your favourite. Let's have your votes in for favourite carry on. And do we agree with a broad and convenience, which are two left field but very worthy choices? Very left field, but don't get me wrong, I do enjoy them. Um, there's just no frying tonight. From excuse me, I'm just See, looking for his name. I know you uh, are. Yeah, Craig, Craig Lawton. Craig Lawton. Oh, Craig! I know Craig. He says he doesn't know Keith Scott. Which oh, was, excellent! Do you know Keith Scott? Uh, Mark, do you know Keith Scott? Keith Scott? Yeah, Brian Adams' guitarist. Um, I don't know him personally, but I once sold him an amp, actually. Was it a White Marshall by any chance? The White Marshall uh, Bluesbreaker. Yeah, I used that with Scooby years for years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I sold it through uh, John Henry's. Oh, right, okay. company in London. Yeah. Um, supposedly, for the, for the uh, for that tour when all, they used all the white amps and everything. Yeah, they had it, yeah. Yeah, so they, I gather that's where it ended up. <laughs> yeah, they did. They, 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 Brian and him brought up a load of white, a white amps, a load of white marshals, didn't they? Yeah, it was a blues breaker, one of the combos. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> so we've got a link, but you don't know. You, but you can't. You know. I don't know. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I have messaged him on um, Instagram, but he hasn't come right. back to me yet. Right. Okay. Right. So we're tantalisingly close. We're trying to get Keith Scott on because we both think he's a great guitarist. 
um, and we'd kind of like to get Keith Scott on the on the podcast. And, and, now, and now we've got Craig in Canada. You know, yeah. it's a relatively small country. He's bound to bump into him. Yeah, he's bound to. Craig, <laughs> do, do your stuff, Craig. Do your stuff. Two things we need from you, Craig, is we need Keith Scott's contact details, and we need to know what your favourite Carry On film is. And if you can send us that through before we record next time, then we're about we're about done. Uh, yeah, really. And then what we will do, maybe as a Christmas special. We ought to get previous guests on for a for a, a carry on mastermind. <laughs> so Mark will be back on. Excellent the, for the Anytime. carry on mastermind as the Christmas special. I can't, uh, imagine, I can't imagine Phil X or Bumblefoot having a clue what we're talking about. I don't think either of them had a clue what we're talking about when they were on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ron did. Ron was Ron was on top form. Mm. Uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was that was first week of lockdown, wasn't it? Pretty much. It pretty much was. Yeah. 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 He was locked down in New Jersey, uh, yeah. so we did it late at night, didn't we? We did do it late at night. And um, Ron, Ron has an excellent um, hot sauce. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, Bumblefoot. He, he does the, uh, the hot sauces. They're really great. He gave me a couple of bottles when we uh, did the shows together. Really nice. Yeah, he gave I love me, that stuff. We went, out, um, we went out for a curry when he came over and did the guitar show. He had a really hot curry, and then he put his own hot sauce in the curry. <laughs> Legends. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> On that, I think I suggest we leave it for the evening, gents. Uh, Mark, it's been cool. a pleasure. It's been lovely to see you again. Great to see you too, mate. Thank uh, you so you much know. for inviting me. No, it's all right. We'll try and grab a brew or something. As soon as we can, we are allowed to... Oh, oh yeah, that. you're in tier three now, aren't you? Uh, I'm not. No, not yet. Uh, not we're yet. not yet either. We're no, but it's going to be about a week or so. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, definitely. that blonde-haired idiot's going to pop us into tier three at some point. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, so it's not going to be long. Um, so yeah, so when it, when we all when we get out the other end, we'll try and find time for a time show for us your cuppa. Let's show yeah, us your show cuppa. Your cuppa. Yeah, still doing that. Still nobody else taking me up on it, but you know, still <laughs> still doing it. But, Did I uh, cup yeah, shame we'll you last week? Uh, you might well have done. <laughs> cup shame you. Like, I know that. I know that cup. That's genware. Do you remember that? After, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes she, did, she did cup shame me. Yes, she did. Yeah, that was the most random thing. I put a picture of her, of a of a drink on on social media with my little show as your cup a hashtag. And Mark came back and said, "Oh yes, I know the brand of cup that you're my, drinking." My favourite brand. I was like, "How do you know that?" So Geek. you know, it was just it was just one of those one of those moments. Um, but yes, right, Jace, absolutely lovely to speak to you, Mark. A pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, for thank you so Mark. much. Yeah, you too, right, Jace. Thank you very much, mate. It's been absolutely absolutely great. And My pleasure. Uh, thank you. And and I guess I'll see I'll see both of you as soon as is possible. Yeah, we did think we were going to get a drink, but it's not no. happen, is it? No, we could be a year before we actually get together, couldn't we? I know. I know. We might we might have broken up by then. We might have had artistic differences and never seen everyone speak to each other again. It's, it's entirely possible. Let's entirely. hope so, eh? <laughs> well, we live in hope. Anyway, uh, thanks, gents. Everyone have a good, uh, a good evening. Thanks for listening, folks. Um, and please send us in your favourite carry-on films. Uh, it would be lovely to... And if anybody knows Keith Scott, of course, uh, we need to... We need to get that sorted, don't we? Because didn't we say we were going to do that for what number? 25. And what's this one? 21. Oh, bloody hell. Possibly. Ooh, ooh, it's getting close. I know, I might have to message him again with a, Oi, mate. Yeah. Do you not know we're nearly at 25 <laughs> podcasts, Scott? <laughs> Put your finger out. And that's, yeah, that's I've bought loads of your albums. It's the least you can do for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly, 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 you know. 
But, you know, how many times have I had to listen to that bloody song from Robin Hood? Come on, that's how you <laughs> put some effort in. But there we are. Right, that's great. Everybody take care. We will speak to you all very soon. Cheers. Nice. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 